This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the sixth season of the Combustion Chronicles podcast, where bold leaders combined with big ideas to make life better for all of us. I'm your host, Sean Nason, CEO and founder of Mophie. As an experienced evangelist, I believe the only way to build a sustainable and thriving business is by putting people first. This season is all about human-obsessed, maverick-minded influencers who are changing the business landscape by standing up for what's right, prioritizing relationships over transactions, and taking a few risks along the way. Mavericks think differently, and human-obsessed mavericks take all of that mavericky stuff up a notch. Filled with empathy, these special Mavericks put their heads and hearts into action to think bigger and more boldly about changing the world each and every day. Ready to blow up the status quo and ignite a people first experience revolution? Yeah, me too. Let's do this. On this episode of the Combustion Chronicles, I have the privilege to speak to Daniel Burris. Daniel is one of the world's leading futurists on global trends and disruptive innovation. His predictions date back to the early 1980s when he accurately identified the 20 exponential technologies that would become the driving force of business and economic growth for decades to come. Since then, he has built a worldwide reputation for his spot-on predictions about technology-driven change and its direct impact on the business world. Daniel has delivered over 3,000 keynote speeches worldwide and is a strategic advisor to clients ranging from Google to Procter & Gamble to the U.S. Department of Defense. He is also the author of seven books, including the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller, Flash Foresight, and his latest Amazon number one bestseller, The Anticipatory Organization. Welcome to the Combustion Chronicles, Daniel. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Daniel, unlike a lot of people who make bold predictions, and I happen to be one of those sometimes about the future, you've been around long enough to see your predictions actually come true. So I want to go back nearly 40 years to when you founded Burris Research. Where did your interest in futurism come from? And why did you focus on technology at the time when the web, cell phones, And even the Internet of Things and so much more hadn't even appeared yet. Yeah, well, a couple of things. Thanks for asking that. Uh, Number one, we're going to spend the rest of our life in the future. Maybe we ought to think about it a little more. And number two, I noticed that the majority of people of all ages, regardless of their level, tend to have a wait and see. Let's see what's going to happen. In other words, they let the future unfold rather than actively shape it. And uh, third, even back in 1983, when I started Burris Research, I could see that there were the underpinnings of core technologies that would literally shape the future and create economic growth for decades to come. So I had started a number of companies before that. I sold them and I spent a year doing research and I researched all of the global innovations and different levels of technology. I created what I called the taxonomy of high technology because there was no way of organizing it back then. So I came up with 20 key technologies that would shape the future. By the way, 1983, digital was on there. Photovoltaics, in other words, solar cells was on there. 
Distributed computing, in other words, the internet was on there. By the way, the internet did exist in 83. It was being used by universities primarily. It was not the web. I had biotech, I had genetic engineering, I had uh, nanotechnology. That list is still the list even to this day. I think the two most important moments in a person's life is the day you're born and the day you find out why you're born. And I'm lucky I found out why I was put on the planet long ago, and that is to teach. So rather than just tell you some trends and say good luck, I would like to help everyone learn how to be more anticipatory and less reactionary. And I'd like us all to be much better at looking at the future and more importantly, shaping it to our advantage. I love that. And I love that you said you were born to teach. I think we need more of that here um, and more people like you. And so, Daniel, we talk a lot about Maverick mindsets here on the Combustion Chronicles and working with Mavericks. And a key trait to tech entrepreneurs is really this Maverick type of mindset. But really, anybody who's going to be successful in business today needs to be able to think and act differently from the crowd. And so you were talking about the anticipatory. And again, in your latest book, The Anticipatory Organization, you argue that leaders need to be on the lookout for both hard trends and soft trends. Could you explain the difference between those types of trends and also what should business leaders be doing to spot them? Yeah, thanks. It's really important. So let's face it. There's no shortage of trends. The problem is with trends is not, are there enough of them? The problem is which ones will happen, which ones won't. So I came up with a methodology that has been very accurate over the decades, and I want to offer it to you now. And it's quite simple, actually. All trends are either hard trends based on future facts that will happen. In other words, they cannot be stopped. Even if you're Bezos, or Apple, or whoever you might be with all the money in the world, you cannot stop them. The good news is you can see them before they happen. I'll talk about that in a second. So hard trends are based on future facts that will happen. And that allows you to see problems before you have them so you can pre-solve them rather than just letting them happen. And it allows you to see disruption before the disruption occurs, turning disruption into a choice. And frankly, I would like all of our listeners to become what I call positive disruptors, creating the positive disruptions that need to happen to elevate your relevance and accelerate your growth. So two types of trends Mm. are trends based on future facts, and the other type is soft trends, and they're based on assumptions that may or may not happen. So now both have tremendous power, and I'll give you examples in a second, but both are very powerful if you do one other thing. A trend by itself is academic and boring. Because <laughs> been doing it for 40 years. Unless you tie an opportunity to it. The minute you tie an opportunity to a hard trend or a soft trend, it bursts into actionable life. So if anyone is talking about trends from this moment on, is it a hard future fact that cannot be changed? And what's the opportunity for you to either become the positive disruptor or pre-solve a problem that you can now see is going to happen unless you pre-solve it? Or if it's a soft trend, what's the opportunity to shape it to your advantage since it's not a future fact, it's a future maybe. So let me give you an example of a soft trend. And by the way, I love them both. So a soft trend, let's pick one that's been going on for decades. Healthcare in the United States, costs have been going up and up and up and up for decades, by the way, that's a trend. 
Now, most people think that's a hard trend, it's unstoppable, and regulators and the government, their way of dealing with it is to really not transform healthcare, but to transform healthcare payment. How are we gonna pay for the mess the aging baby boomers are gonna cause as they get older? By the way, that's another hard trend, they will get older. <laughs> but the reality is, it is a soft trend. If you don't like that one, you can change it. For example, we could apply blockchain to healthcare. Right now, we have a very, non-transparent healthcare system. You didn't know the aspirin in that hospital cost 20 bucks a pill. If you would have known that, you would have your spouse bring it. You didn't know that that artificial knee you're having put in because you damaged it along the way, it can vary in price it's made by the same company in the same size by over 150%. You didn't know any of that because there's no transparency. So if we applied blockchain to healthcare, we would have transparency, we'd have lower prices, we'd have more security, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now I'm just giving you one quick example of how you could change it, or we can just let it get more expensive. I advocate taking soft trends and realizing we have the power to change those things. I love it. And I love particularly that you were in the healthcare space. We at Mophie, we work predominantly in healthcare. So give us some heart trends too. All right. Well, as a matter of fact, I'll give you a billion dollar idea right now. I'll show you how you can use what I'm talking about to have certainty in an uncertain world because hard trends give you certainty. You might think the only thing that's certain is death and taxes. Oh, no, no, no. Far <laughs> more. Thousands of things. For example, we've got went from 4G to 5G. Is that it? Now, what'll be next? 6G followed by seven. And we're putting a lot of data in the cloud. Is the cloud getting full? No, it's not getting full. And if you don't like AI, can we just say AI is gonna be bad for humans, let's turn it off. No, it will be growing exponentially. It's not the tool, it's how you use it. We better start using it to our advantage and make sure we leverage our humanness to take advantage of AI, or AI might take advantage of us. So the hard trend categories, there are three. One is demographics. I just mentioned baby boomers, although you could look at any demographics, but let's take baby boomers. We got 68 million in the United States. There used to be 78, but 10 million have already died. Let's face it, they're getting older. And so we got 68 million in the United States, baby boomers, and they're going to chronologically age. They're not gonna all of a sudden start getting less years on their body, they're gonna get more years. So, we're going to end up with a lot of predictable problems we could either pre-solve or we could let them play out. Let me give you an example and a billion dollar idea because I like to give you examples of how you can make money on what I'm talking about. So when you get into their mid eighties and early nineties and so on, a lot of people fall. And when they fall, they break bones, they might break their hip. And that always is an expensive process for the elderly. A lot of people, if you look at the percent, you wouldn't believe how many people fall and end up with expensive raising our healthcare costs. So here's the billion dollar idea. Right now, we could put a little small thing that fits over any size shoe, men or women's, and have a little sensor in the front where the toe is. And it could be wirelessly Bluetooth to your little earphone, which could be your hearing aid, or and just fired to that, or your phone to your hearing aid. And what it can do is it can sense. So if there's a step going down, it will say step going down. If there's a step going up, it'll say step going up. If Johnny's toy is in the way, it'll say, hey, Johnny left his toy in the way, and you'll not step on it. Now that device could save literally millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars and <laughs> a lot of people from getting hurt. Now, look, Sean, I'm gonna ask you this question. Right now, that sensor, as I described it, does not exist. 
Now, let me ask you a question. Will that happen or is it just no way that's not going to happen? What do you think? I think it will happen. Well, of course, because here's what I'm going to teach everybody right now. Technically, if it can be done, it will be done. If you don't do it, someone else will. So either you or someone listening to this could make a lot of money. By the way, this is an international product, not a U.S. product. That right now, doing that, and the tools to do it, you don't need new physics. You could do it right now. You could even patent it. Actually, I'm named in hundreds of patents because people got their ideas from me giving speeches and writing articles <laughs> like I did for you right now. And even though I'm not making money on those particular patents, I don't care because what I'm doing is helping people learn the opportunity of hard trends and soft. Now, I mentioned there were three categories. Demographics is a big one, and there's a lot around that. But let's pick another one. Regulation, government regulation and laws. Now you might think, oh my God, that's a hard trend. Oh yeah. But, and you might say, well, you can't predict the future of regulations. Oh yes, you can. You just can't predict all of it. See, I don't want a list of things that I'm uncertain about that doesn't empower me. I want a list of things I am certain about that does empower me. So I can't predict all of the future regulations, but I can predict a lot of them. For example, let me ask you again, Sean, are we going to have more regulations on cybersecurity? What do you think? I would hope so. Well, yeah. And matter of fact, we will. Why? Because there are some hard trends at play that the regulators can't ignore and government, Republican, Democrat, or anybody else can't ignore. Then there's a bunch of things, of course, we can ignore and not deal with. So uh, there's actually quite a bit. Let me give you an example of how you can make money on regulations. First of all, Elon Musk. He gave a prediction in uh, 2015 that by 2025, no car will be sold with a steering wheel or brakes or pedal or way to control it because all cars will be autonomous by 2025. In 2015, when he made that prediction, the day after he made that prediction, I made a prediction saying he will be wrong because he didn't understand what I called the both and concept. It's another way to see the future. And that it's a way to help you to see how these trends work. So the future is autonomous and semi-autonomous and no autonomy instead of it's either one or the other future isn't either this or that. The future is this and that. Can you imagine a Lamborghini selling a car you can't control in 2025? What are they going to say? Hey, it's got nice seats. And I've, had a, <laughs> and I've had a Tesla Model X since 2016. Love it. And uh, it can pretty much drive itself. Not totally, but pretty good job. Actually better than me in some cases. But most of the time I drive it, you know, I, I like to drive. You know what I don't like? Yeah. Accidents. So what we'll do is we're going to use semi-autonomy to eliminate you even being able to have an accident, but yet let you drive and control it because we all know these things can be hacked. I don't think you're buying a car you can't control. So he will be wrong because he didn't understand the both and concept, which is another one in some of my books and that I write about. So again, let's stay with uh, regulation. California has about a thousand new regulations every year. They're a big state. That's pretty normal for California. A couple of years ago, there was a law that was passed, a new regulation that said within three years in California, all kindergartners and first graders, half of their reading has to be nonfiction. By the way, right now it's all fiction. The little engine that could is fiction. So half has to be fiction. Now, when you hear that, you say, oh my God, what are the, oh, it's California. You know, and you get all upset. <laughs> and you get, see, regulations make us upset. But one of the things that I teach is opposites work better. So instead of looking at what you don't like, let's look for the things we do like. Elon Musk, as I said, was quite smart. Every business he started came 
when it was funded by government regulations, every one of them. So in this case, with the one I'm giving you, 26 year old teacher in San Diego heard about that law, made three phone calls. She called the San Diego School District, the Los Angeles School District, the San Francisco School District. She chose wisely, they're very big. And she said, you got three years to provide half of your books for those little kids to be nonfiction. If I provided them, would you be interested? To make a long story short, they said yes, underwrote her business, became an amazing customer of hers, and she didn't have to go on Shark Tank. Now, why? Because she was <laughs> using hard trends to her advantage. She was being transformative. She was doing what your show is all about, Sean. So regulations, look for what you like. By the way, just a little side note, $1.2 trillion is now law in the infrastructure package. $1.2 trillion. By the way, that's called certainty. That money is already going to be there. It's not going to be taken away. Are you looking at what those laws and regulations are giving you and what you could do and how you could make money? Billions is going to be made and it's going to be funded by those laws. Maybe you should be doing that out there. Okay, let's go to number three, technology. Oh my God, it's been so predictable. If you would go back to my 1993 bestseller, Technotrends, you would see that book. I was talking about social media. I was talking about smartphones, describing the time frame, by the way, and uh, when we'd see like an iPhone. Of course, I didn't know they called call it an iPhone, but I knew what it would do. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the year that that was launched, I was giving a speech to the American Booksellers Association, 10,000 booksellers in the audience. And that was two years before Amazon started. And I said, within two years, there'll be a virtual bookstore. And if you listen to the audio tape of that, you'll hear me describe <laughs> Amazon.com. Uh, now, I couldn't say it'd be Amazon.com and Bezos. Boy, those are soft trends. I can't predict that. But I knew it would happen. I couldn't predict who would do it, but I knew it would be done because if it can be done, it will be done. And sure enough. And if you go to one of the pages in Technotrends, you will see a little thing saying Blockbuster is busted. And if you read underneath that category in that book in 1993, you'll see me describe Netflix. Of course, I didn't know they'd call it Netflix. Now, instead of me being the only guy that can do this and I sound like I'm bragging, I am not. What I'm doing is empowering all of you listening to this to realize I am about teaching you how to do it. You can all do this. You can all do this, but you need to take advantage of the hard trends that give you disruptions before they disrupt, allowing you to turn, become the positive disruptor. And you need to see the soft trends that if you don't like them, you can change them. If you don't like a direction of something, well, you can change that, or you can just let it continue to unfold in a bad direction. In other words, I would like you to actively shape your future and realize right now, right now, there is more opportunity on planet Earth for everyone than there has ever been on the history of humans being on this planet right now. Wow. Okay. I just got a whole year of schooling there and I'm trying to take it all in and thank you for all of that. I do want to talk about this whole concept though, because what I'm hearing you talk about, and you've said this a lot is cyclical changes. So ups and downs in the stock market, linear changes, and you talked about the introduction of the smartphone, which kind of changes should, let's say mavericks, like we've been talking about, and disruptors, positive disruptors, be paying attention to? And do they always need to be zigging when everybody else is zagging? I love to zig when everybody else is zagging. I like to, again, opposites is one of 
a number, 28 different lessons that I have in my anticipatory organization book. And uh, so if you look in the exact opposite direction where everybody is looking, you'll see what no one else is seeing. And it usually is better than where everybody's looking. So I do like that. And number one, there are two types of uh, change, really, if you get right down to it. Cyclical change, and there's over hun- there's hundreds, there's over 500 known cycles, business cycles, weather cycles, biological cycles. You know, let's face it, by, you can tell, an astronomer can tell you in 2040 in March, the exact moment we'll have a full moon and they'll nail it. So there's all these certainties that come out of cycles. The stock market will go down. Yes, forever. No, it'll go back up. Will it go up forever? No, it'll go back down. There are cycles. But one of the ones I want us to be paying attention to, thanks to my hard trend, soft trend methodology, is the other kind of change. I would call it linear slash exponential. Linear in that it's not a cycle. Once it's changed, you're not going back. But it's exponential in that it's rising at a exponential two becomes four becomes eight rate. For example, once people get smartphones, they're not going back to the dumb phone. Once the Chinese park their bicycle and get a car, they're not saying, let's go back to the bike. Once people in India get refrigeration for their home, they're not going to say we don't need refrigeration. So there are cyclical changes. Yes, you should pay attention to those and their opportunities. But I'd really like you to look at the game changing linear slash exponential changes that are there right there in front of us for us to see. So at Mofi, Daniel, we talk a ton about experiences and we're all about approving what we call the experience ecosystem. And so, for example, we believe you can't create a great customer experience if your employee experience or your vendor experience sucks. So in your 2022 technology trends list, which I love because you said there will always be those. This was your 39th edition, by the way, talks a lot about artificial intelligence. So how can organizations pair AI with the human touch to improve their overall experience ecosystem? Excellent question. And one of the things that uh, is in my list is augmented thinking. See, I think what we're going to end up with as we go forward is a symbiotic relationship with AI and humans. Symbiosis, by the way, in biology is where two different organizations end up needing each other to thrive. So let me give you an example of how that works. So with oncology, that's the study of cancer. Right now, AI knows more about oncology than any oncologist because it's read and learned and studied all of the research, all the reports, all the documents. It's absorbed all of that stuff through machine learning and deep learning and so on. So it knows more than any oncologist. So let's say you or a family member has cancer, heaven forbid. I'm gonna give you three choices. You have, number one, an outstanding doctor who is an oncologist. Choice number two, just AI. Choice number three, an outstanding oncologist that has access to AI. Now you see the future. It's augmented thinking. So we will end up getting help because humans, we have to look at what humans do best and make sure that we educate and elevate our skills around what we do best. Because if we do what computers do best, you're going to be out of job. So we work together in harmony. One other thing I just want to point out around the experience element, and that is we live in a technical world, but we live in a human world. And it's all based on relationships. 
And there are good relationships and bad relationships. And good relationships are always based on trust. And trust is earned through values, honesty, integrity, delivering on promises. So the goal should be to whatever you do, you need to be anticipatory. And that is when you're launching a new product, a new service, or whatever it is, instead of doing a post-mortem after it failed, I would like you to do a pre-mortem and ask yourself, if I release this in this way, what will happen to trust? And if you think trust will go down, don't release it in that way. Notice I don't say, didn't say don't release it, period. I said in that way. Change how you release it so that trust is elevated. And you'll find yourself not having to do a lot of postmortems because it failed. I'm still wrapping my head around all of that. Well, it's you know, really- uh, Sean, that's why I write books. And I'm giving you a lot fast. I understand that because you've only given me a short amount of time. <laughs> and I'm a teacher. And I want to give you all I've got. So you can re-listen to this. Obviously, I'd love for people to pick up a copy of Anticipatory Organization. There's a lot more in there than we can do in 30 minutes or go to my website. Let's put this in some business case situations. So between the pandemic, Daniel, and now what they're calling the Great Resignation, I'm sure many business leaders are just trying to survive right now. And I know that for a fact and, and are thinking about what happens next. So you've given us a ton of knowledge of we've talked about here, preparing for the future. But some of our listeners are probably thinking, are you guys crazy? You know, I barely have time to think about today and and keep my business alive today. So what would you say to business leaders to help them manage to prepare for the future while taking care of the present? Yeah, great question. It's all around a key word I call future view. A matter of fact, that was one of my core principles I started teaching all the way back in 1983. How you view the future, to a great extent, shapes how you act in the present. By the way, how you act in the present will shape your future. In other words, your future view will determine the future you. And most of us have either a negative or fear-based future view, or they have a future view primarily that's based on a rear view mirror view of the future. You're not using your windshield. And one thing that the hard trends do when you start listing out those hard trend certainties and related opportunities is you'll find that you're looking through a windshield, not through the rearview mirror, and you're putting on your bright lights because I'd like you to look farther down the window and you'll be amazed the more you look, the more you see. So if you're in a survival mode, you probably will stay that way because that's uh, and you're thinking the world is everything sucks. As a matter of fact, I just wrote a blog and I called the blog title is everything sucks. And that (laughs) is perfect. And the reason it's perfect is if everything was perfect, the world wouldn't need you and I, but everything is flawed. Everything. Well, good. There's a lot of work to be done. A lot of money to be made, a lot of help that we can bring the world. Let's roll up our sleeves and make things better. So I love the fact that everything sucks. You know, why is Sears and a lot of those stores having trouble? The customer experience sucked. You go in the store and it looked the same way it did 10 years ago and it was boring and the salespeople (laughs) didn't even know where anything was. No wonder. But when you create brick and mortar and you realize that the good old days of brick and mortar retail are ahead of us, they just don't look like what's behind us. And the key is a customer experience and redefining what that means you'll start to get excited and realize, oh, maybe that's why Amazon opened up over 100 brick and mortar bookstores. Maybe that's why so many e-commerce only companies are opening up actual physical, tangible stores, even during this pandemic. Why are they doing that? Well, they're seeing a different future view than the CEO of Sears, who closed a couple hundred stores and just closed the one in Illinois, which was the first one. 
they had different views of the future. So what's yours? If you're in survival mode, I think you're going to stay that way until you change your future view. So here's how to do it. I'd like you to take one hour a week. Now you can afford that. Why? You're going to spend the rest of your life in the future. Maybe you ought to not be just a crisis manager. Maybe you ought to be an opportunity manager and shape it. And in that hour, by the way, put it in your calendar so you make sure it happens. Otherwise, you'll be busy doing something else. And I would like you to ask yourself, what am I certain about? What are the hard trends I can clearly see that are shaping the future? Mm -hmm. Look at demographics, look at technology, look at regulations. What are the opportunities they represent? You will get a list. And I'd like you to pick just one thing and focus on it because one thing is doable. And you'll find yourself slipping out of survival mode and slipping very quickly into opportunity mode. Love that. Love good call to actions and good takeaways. All right, Daniel. So you consult with a bunch of Fortune 500 companies and other organizations. Could you name one or two trends that keep your clients up at night? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, right now, the ones that they're very worried about, of course, is hiring the, the great resignation. By the way, why are people leaving their jobs? Their future view of staying has changed. All right. That's why. By the way, if you're not managing your employees' future view, someone else will. And maybe that's why they'll leave. Wait, wait, say that one again. Employees. If you're not managing your employees' future view, someone else will and probably take them away from you. Love it. So, in, a, in other words, if they think you're in a protect and defend mode and all you're doing is, you know, trying to uh, survive, do you really want to work for a company that is trying to survive? I wouldn't. I'd want to get the hell out of there and get one that is embracing and extending the new and excited about it. Who would want to stay with a survival company? So I think you better, as a leader, change how you think about that, or you're going to be, I predict, you'll be losing more people. No wonder they're leaving. And uh, so anyway, just kind of giving you a, a quick shot on that. That's good. That's I had to hear that again. So, well, Daniel, we've come to that point where we do this thing called the combustion questions. And these are three randomly selected questions that I just am looking at for the very first time that were given to me. And then I'm going to ask you, so Daniel, are you ready for your combustion questions? Yep, let's burn it up. All right. If you could get a video of a four-hour chunk of any point in history, which four hours would it be? Four-hour chunk in history. I think uh, it would really be great to hear... I'd love to hear Plato giving one of uh, the great uh, his great speeches of uh, in uh, back in the ancient times because some of the great old philosophers were unbelievably smart and uh, and they didn't have social media and video to help them out in PowerPoint. I, I would love to just be in on seeing how they really presented and what they shared. So, combustion question number two, Daniel: Do you prefer fall or spring? I prefer between those two, fall. Absolutely. Love all the colors. I love the what happens with the leaves. And it is a transition in, uh, once again, the seasons and seasonality, which is a cycle, by the way. Beautiful. So I There you go. Something cyclical, right? All right. All right. Last combustion question. What do you think about koala bears? Oh, God, I love koala bears. Actually, I had a chance to hold one when I was traveling in that part of the world and uh, love those things. Yeah. 
That's awesome. I was very fortunate too to hold one when I traveled in Sydney down there a few years ago. So I understand that. All right, Daniel, thank you again so much for today. What's the best way for our listeners to reach out to you to get more information about you and learn more about all you're doing? Yeah, if you go to Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com, you'll find uh, blogs. And by the way, you can also find on that homepage a way to click down and download my uh, latest 25 hard trends of technology. You can join me, uh, Daniel Burris, on LinkedIn. I've got uh, close to 1.3 million followers. Join the conversation and uh, read some of those blogs on Burris.com. And don't forget to get Anticipatory Organization, my latest book, and get it on Amazon or wherever you'd like. I think you'll find it very useful. Well, thank you, Daniel. And um, I look forward to us having a conversation again. You got it. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Combustion Chronicles. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to subscribe, rate, and review. Remember that I'm always looking to meet more big-thinking mavericks. So let's keep the conversation going by connecting on LinkedIn. If you want to discover more about human-obsessed, maverick-minded experience ecosystems, go to mofi.co, where you'll discover ideas and resources to help you ignite your own experience revolution. And be sure to check out my book, Kiss Your Dragons, Radical Relationships, Bold Heart Sets, and Changing the World, available on Amazon, and then head right over to SeanNason.com to engage resources, a discussion guide, and information about everything from self-paced learning to personal coaching. As always, stay safe, be well, and keep blowing shit up.